Welcome to Jobber's Masters of Home Service podcast, where successful business owners share their secrets for making your business more profitable and efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, owner of Charlottesville Lawn Care and Charlottesville Gutter Pros for the last 15 years. I truly believe that service entrepreneurs need to come together from different service industries and swap stories, share tips, and learn from each other. By getting together and sharing each other's successes and failures, we can help each other level up. And that's the mission of Masters of Home Service. On today's podcast episode, we are discussing the importance of customer experience. And on today's show, we have the owner of Impetus Plumbing, Terrence Chan with us. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Kimberly Towers, the owner of Red Rose Cleaning. Hi. Welcome to the show. I know our guests today love Jobber. With Jobber, managing the customer experience from estimates to invoicing has never been smoother. Our listeners can get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. Trust me, it'll make your whole business more efficient and more profitable. Kimberly, Terrence, a lot of our listeners have heard the expression, the customer's always right. What do you think? Is that true? Personally, I don't think that's true. But a lot of times you really want the customer's happiness. Happiness is a really big thing for us. So if the customer's not happy with our service, we always try to make it right. And one of the biggest things we try to do is always give a refund, especially if they're really unhappy. And a lot of times they try to give us a bad review. I think a lot of times when we do this kind of work and be in the service industry, you kind of want to stray away from these bad reviews. It's not because your company isn't good, but you can't please every customer. And from that standpoint is it's always better to have a full refund, give them their money back or try to work it out with them because a bad review is really costly on your company itself. Kimberly, what do you think? Yeah, I don't love the phrase that the customer is always right. Obviously, we're home service business owners. We are customer focused, but I make it very known that my staff comes first. So I just know that without my staff's happiness, we can't even be there for a customer. So the customer isn't always right. That's definitely not our motto, but I do agree that their happiness is important and bad reviews, they suck. Like you don't want that. It can be detrimental to your business. So definitely wanting to make the customer happy, but I never sacrifice my staff's happiness or comfortability or anything like that before our customers. How do you balance taking care of your staff, but also taking care of your customers? How do you make that balance? Yeah, I mean, I think by taking care of my staff, they want to take care of my customers. So if my staff knows that I put them first, they will put our customers first. It's kind of just like a cycle that ends up going around really well. Exactly the same way as Kimberly. I think the staff's happiness is one of the biggest things for us as well, because without a happy staff, you can't have a happy customer. Mm -hmm. But the second thing, what we always try to do, it's not always a full refund we're trying to do. We're trying to be really personable with our customers to really understand what their needs are. Because a lot of times when a customer is unhappy, it usually comes down to the processes, something that happened along the way that wasn't correct. So we try to make that right first before we kind of get into any of the refunds, because obviously in any business, you don't want to give your money back mm-hmm. because you kind of believe in what you do. You charge for the right price for everything that you've done. So you really want to just be finding out the best thing to do when a customer is unhappy, but it just doesn't always make them right. But you know, at the end of the day, it's really about 
both sides being happy. You got to be happy. Your guys got to be happy. Sorry, your staff have to be happy and your customer has to be happy. Yeah, I like to tell my team that they're my customers. If I take care of my customers, they'll take care of our customers. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a customer service strategy, a way to make sure that the client has the best experience possible. What are some ways to make sure the customer experience is where you want it to be? I would say number one for us right now is just follow through, doing what you say you're going to do, showing up when you say you're going to show up, do the job that you said you were going to do. Transparency and just being genuine with our customers right now is getting us a long, long way and they Mm -hmm. appreciate it so much. I love this topic because for me, it's all about processes. It's really about how you set everything up and how your call starts from the beginning. And for us, when we use Jobber, we really hone down these processes from the beginning to the end. Just much like how they call in, we take in all their information. That's a must for the first thing. Taking their information first. If they don't give information, we don't give the quote. Second of all, then we give the quote. And once we give the quote, we have them sign the quote. So once they sign the quote, we also have a deposit to make sure they take the appointment. And then from the appointment, we put the job description. And when our guys are on the job, we do another process where our guys go over the job once again. Mm-hmm. And then we have another signature. So now we get two signatures. And our third process, we make sure that when we're finished the job, we go over the scope and we get a third signature. And I believe like when you have all those things that are transparent, like Kimberly said, the process makes it so much easier. And at the same time, it kind of puts away the other customers that aren't really interested and they're just price shopping. Because as a business, you want people that call your business because they know what you guys are about and they want the good work that you guys provide. That's dope. And I also feel like through that, there are so many times where a customer can like check and see if something was wrong. So they're literally controlling their experience by using, you know, the signatures and the forms and stuff like that. So I really like that. They're not blind to the end, essentially. It's really awesome when you do that because Mm -hmm. you just don't want to get into fights all the time. And when you do get into the fights, you have to just pull it up and say, hey, everything was approved. Mm -hmm. Like, What can we do to make this experience better? Because we just want to make sure if we made a mistake this time, then you go over with your team about a new process of what happened last time. And then you can correct each time to make the process more perfect each time. Mm -hmm. So it gives a way better experience and way less fights with customers. Yeah. Last thing you want to do is start arm wrestling the client on Mm -hmm. who said what and everything. So you make a promise, your client, right? Mm -hmm. And then you deliver it with processes. What's the outcome? What's the outcome of fulfilling these promises with your clients? What's the fruit? You get the full follow through. Mm -hmm. The fruit is you get paid, you get a good review, and there are no questions asked and everything is transparent because just so many times people complain about problems that it's the customer. But I think like in the service industry, not enough people understand that it's really not the customer. It's really more of the business that has the trouble of conveying the message at the end of the day Mm -hmm. that creates the problems with you and the customer afterwards. I mean, there's always going to be that one let's say 5% of customers that are going to be jerks, right? But if you create those processes, you can always find good customers out of that and you have great outcome with people that will come back because they know your process, they know the professionalism behind it because every customer is dealt the same way. The 5%, is there? A, have you guys figured out a way to see them coming? The clients that you don't ever want to work with? Any tips on that? And you can see them coming. Like the thing that we deal with is people trying to like undercut you from from the jump, not wanting to follow your process, not wanting to give those signatures, asking questions are cool. But when you're asking questions to try to get 
your way or change my process, I'm like, ah, this isn't going to go well. And if I make an exception for somebody, oh, it always comes back to bite me. I'm like, I knew two (laughs) weeks ago I shouldn't have done that. And now you give them an inch and they are taking a mile. Mm. So luckily, I think that if you can steer away from those 5%, really dive into the 95%, those are the customers you want. And I think that you should try to be in a position where you don't have to take those 5% of customers. Customers. I do not want to work with anyone I don't want to work with. That's exactly it. I mean, yeah. the processes are there to kind of pick them out. So a lot of times having that appointment and that schedule, the scheduling costs for it, for a deposit, that puts a lot of people off. And that's mm-hmm. the best part because you know a lot of price shoppers do not want to pay for you to go to their place or put them on the schedule. They just want a price so that they can take that price to somebody else. So having those processes are really important. But like, you know, as you grow and you get more of those processes down, that percentage does go down. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you still get a curveball. That's what business is all about, right? So it's all about, right? Keeps things interesting. (laughs) The deposit is a good one. It really filters out. It makes sure they have to skin the game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you waive a deposit, it never ends well. (laughs) How do you measure customer happiness? More more than one way. How do you measure customer experience and make sure that they're happy? Yeah, we send out surveys a couple times a year. We always ask for reviews online, like Google on our Facebook, but we send out surveys to our customers, our routine customers who see us all the time, really just to get in-depth feedback on what they see while we're on the job, if anything has changed. And a lot of times I just got to go up to people. I go up to my customers in their homes and ask them about what's going on. You know, I'm not able to be with every customer every day, so I make it a point to travel around throughout the seasons at least a couple times a year and check in with them to just get face-to-face interaction and see how they're feeling about us. I usually don't really measure it because it kind of goes back to what Kimberly's saying, right? And what you've said, Adam, is just about if your guys are happy and your staff are happy, they are going to make the customer happy. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if you do really have a customer of bad experience, that's when we want to find out what went wrong. And that's more of my process versus of trying to, I don't think surveys are bad at all. I just skip that step of it because I think that as long as we're getting our reviews and my guys are treated right and we teach them how to give more than a five-star review, that's what really makes it important for us because, you know, from our last jobber thing at the summit, I've learned a lot about reviews as well that, You don't try to strive for a five star. You try to strive for a six star. You try to strive for a seven star. And I ask my guys the same thing. Like, what do you think a six star is like? What do you think a seven star is like? Can we go even past a five star and make it a 10 star? Mm -hmm. I tell them, you know, the type of work that you're doing, you have to strive for a star above five to make sure you always get five. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I I go towards. I like that. I do too. I like that. Six or seven stars. Yeah, I like that a lot. Do you automate the reviews process at all? I'm curious if you guys, is it all manual or do you have any kind of automation in place to get reviews? I feel like when you ask for reviews and you work with reviews, automating it just doesn't feel genuine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I like my guys asking up front and then they can ask what's wrong, if anything was wrong that they did as well. And if they say yes or they say no or they don't give an answer, there's always a follow up as well that we would follow up with the emails ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's a better way to be more genuine and you can follow up with phone calls as well. So then now you also keep the personable relationship with a customer as well, that the customer is not only mine, but it, but it's up to my staff as well to kind of keep that relationship with the customer. 
Yeah, I think there are pros and cons to like automated and non-automated. And I also just try to cater it to the specific client. So if I know someone won't say anything unless I go visit them and have a conversation, they're the ones I'm going to visit. And then I have some clients, if we just drop that, we use little cards with the QR code for our Mm -hmm. Google review on them, drop them there. They're like easy. I can scan it. I can do it. Like you don't need to come visit me. So Mm -hmm. I think I kind of cater to what would work for that client to get the feedback kind of by any means. Mm -hmm. For my companies, we use a nice job, which automates it. And it allows our technicians to send out an invite right, right when they leave the house with a photo of their house and a selfie maybe. And that's done really well for us. Let me ask you a question about a scenario that I've experienced. I've had clients come out of the woodwork months later who I thought were happy. And they tell me whether it's at the grocery store, I sent an email they responded to and they said, well, we weren't really happy with your service. And this is the first I'm hearing about it. Well, goodness, why didn't you tell me sooner? But they're busy. They have lives. They just chalk it up and move on. Do you have any tips on pulling them in and making sure that even the quiet people who aren't as outgoing, so to speak, will speak up and get the service that they need or deserve. Any any tips on that? That's a good question. Again, I guess I just feel like our face-to-face interactions and just trying to do it maybe like before you get out the door. So for us, for instance, we can walk a client like around the house that we just cleaned and have them look while we're there. So we get that info before we leave. But yeah, sometimes it's just not in people's nature to give feedback right away. And it's always, it can be a little scary when you think you do a really good job and you leave and you don't hear from someone. You're like questioning yourself and your abilities and like, will this pop back up in some months? But with that being said, you can't do everything perfect all the time. That's a hard one. But what I try to tell my my staff to do is to actually follow up a week or two afterwards just to see how everything is. Mm -hmm. So again, you have more personable relationship with the customer. The customer is happy to know that you care. And I think that's a process that we're going to probably add onto our side so we don't get more of those surprises. We have an email that goes out a couple days after. It's Zapier. It's free. And it's amazing. People respond to that email. It's just a quick, how did things go a couple days ago? And it's not just a negative, too. We get some people who say, well, I was expecting this, and I got this. But we also have people who say, it was awesome. Your technicians are great. And that's great, too. You know, yeah. So a follow-up gets both, Yeah, which is nice. It's a great conversation. Let's take a 30-second break, and we'll be right back. I am not the earliest bird, but some of my staff loves a really early start. With Jawbird, my team in the field has every detail of every job and their whole day right on their phones. Routing for the day, scheduling job details while I'm still resting. It can be updated throughout the day. And my team picks it up immediately with little or no training. It was easy. It was seamless. Smoother from start to finish. Quote, schedule invoice and get paid. Start your free trial today at Jawbird.com. Listeners to the podcast and get a special discount on a new subscription by going to jobber.com slash podcast deal. If you aren't using Jobber, you need to be. Jobber has made my businesses more profitable and more efficient for sure. Have customer expectations changed since you've started in business? Are customers any different than they were 10 years ago? I would say so. So I actually bought this company in the middle of the pandemic and I was shocked how impressed my clients were just by me like 
following up with them. Like when they send an email and I respond, people are always so grateful. I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I call someone back, I show up on time, and they are through the roof with excitement. And again, I'm like, this is just a standard of business. But I do think that people's expectations have lowered, especially for the home service business, that people aren't going to show up, aren't going to do a good job, um, and aren't going to follow through. So I think, you know, not only being skilled in your area of expertise, so um, cleaning homes for us, but just being transparent about your process and doing what you say you're going to do, it has gotten me leaps and bounds ahead. I would say customers are a lot smarter now. It's, it's different from before where not a lot of people use the internet as much. But nowadays, you know, customers are smarter because they're, one, they're more price conscious, and two, there's just so much more information mm-hmm. online. So a lot of the things that you do work on, it's just like being a DIYer, right? They think that they know what you're doing. They want to tell you what to do and all those kind of things. So it, it has become different because back in the day, there were a lot less questions. But it's also good that it's changed to that nowadays because a lot of our stuff is more technological. Even for the plumbing and heating side, it's just there's so much more computer stuff that it's more for even our generation to know that versus people in the older generation because they're just not really up to speed of all the training and all the new technology. So customers have changed. They're, they're a lot smarter, I would say. I think that I've told a lot of people this. If you smile and tuck your shirt in, you can beat 95% of your competition in the home service industry, yeah. for the most part, generally mm-hmm. speaking. And so if, if that's all you have to do to really stand out, how high could you go if you really went above and beyond? Exactly. Like it's not an ex- excuse for lowering your standards or keeping them low. It's right. a, wow, I could really blow this thing out of the water. Mm-hmm. And technology can help with that. And and meeting with customers in person can help with that. Mm -hmm. What does a five-star review do for your business? Get you more business. I mean, word of mouth or good reviews online is everything. When I'm going to go to a restaurant or use a different service, what am I doing first? Googling. I'm only looking at four and a half, 4.8 and above. Like that's what I want to be serviced by the companies that I want to go to. So it puts you at the top. It puts you, keeps you top of mind with people. It continues to grow your business. It's everything. Same as her. Just for me, it's really important because the, the more of those that you have, the more you can market yourself to be the leader of the industry, the better company in the industry, because you have to show people that it's not only about knowledge, there is the big service aspect of it. Because I think there comes a point for every business that it's going to be all the same. There's not going to be one that's going to be a lot smarter than the other. The one that really makes that difference is really your service. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we have a Masters of Service podcast. It's all about the service at the end of the day of what gives that lasting impression for a customer to come back. And with a five-star, not only does it give that impression that you're going to treat them well, you already know that if you're in the top niche of that market, you can charge more. That's when you can start growing your business more to start scaling it and getting more staff and more training for your staff. So five-stars does a lot for your business in my sense. I think it really boosts morale too. We read our five-star reviews every Monday morning in our meeting, and the guys, will, our technicians will point, like, oh, that was yours. Oh, that was your client. Oh, yeah, nice job. <laughs> and it mines so much juice out of those reviews because clients will tell you what matters to them in the reviews. They were on time. They were friendly. They were, yeah. they were polite. They drove a nice van. Like All those things matter to clients. So when you read that aloud to, to your team, it reinforces 
the good over yeah. and over again really boosts morale. I like that. Yeah. Me too. I need, I need, I need to do meetings. that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you respond to negative reviews? It's already been left on Google. What do you do? I will call the hell out of them. Mm. It be, so any negative review, we put it as a red flag right away. We step up right to the plate. I first get my manager to call because you kind of want to teach your staff through that process mm-hmm. to how to deal with that situation. And if they can't deal with it, I escalate it to myself. And from what I do there is I'll talk to the customers, see what they're unhappy with and see what we can do from there. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast where you can't please everybody. One, you can learn from it to mm-hmm. see why you got a bad review and you have to be very accountable and honest with yourself and your staff if that was a deserving one star or two star. Yeah. And if it wasn't, then you know you learn to not ever serve that customer again. Not to sound like a jerk myself, but there are those customers that are really hard to handle. Sure. There's people that you can't make happy. So Two, you know not to serve them again. And three, you you learn something from what we talked about in the middle of the podcast is a new process that could have popped up of maybe this is what we're going to add into our process or what your guys didn't put in. Kimberly, what do you do when you get one star review? Yeah, so knock on some tables. I've never had one. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. Yes, wow. I know. Publicly, I guess I should say. So nothing has ever been written online negatively about our business. But I've had people send, you know, mistakes we have made at their home. They'll just personally text me. And looking inward at our team and our processes is the first thing we do. So obviously I make it right with the customer, but we want to look inwardly and see, okay, what did we miss? Was this a hard to please customer or did we just mess something up? And we actually use Jabber and the notes feature because our clients are routine. So we'll take like if they sent us a picture of a bed that was made incorrectly or something like that, we'll take that picture and put it in our notes part of the client portion on Jobber so that when we go back to their home the next time, my staff can see the complaints and what was missed. And so that doesn't happen again. I love that you both said get better because here's the truth. It can be a bad client and you can still learn something. Absolutely. And you can still get better instead of just disregarding it completely. Mm-hmm. Don't fight it. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the right <laughs> way. So one important thing about giving refunds and what I've done before with certain customers was give a full refund when we have a trouble with a negative review or just they weren't happy before even a negative review happens because that's what I fear most. And to do that, when I gave a full refund, I told the customer, we're going to do this. I don't even talk about the review because once you mention the review, that's more trouble. Mm-hmm. But once I, what I tell them is I'm going to give you the full refund, but you have to understand it means we're never there. We've never done the service. We've never done the work. We just want to make sure that you're happy in the, the day and you've got all your money back to take care of the situation at hand. Because at the end of the day, I tell them, I really care about your place and you getting the right person to do the job. If I'm not right for you, I'll give you a full refund. I just want to make sure you're being taken care of. And that's how I leave the situation too, to make sure that it doesn't escalate to something worse. So a lot of our listeners, they want to get better. They want to improve their customer experience. What advice do you have for them who just one or two ways that they can make things better? Process, 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 process. <laughs> That's all I can say as my biggest tip. A lot of people do not create processes. They just go on a whim to try to please the customer and do whatever it is to get the business. But you need to learn how to make these processes because only when you make these processes can you scale your business and teach the next person. Because if you don't have anything that you yourself can follow, 
you won't be able to get a good customer experience at the end of the day because mm-hmm. it's not repeatable. Right. Yeah, definitely don't just leave it up to chance. But one of the things I do from the very beginning is look at the people you're hiring. So are these people going to be able to carry out your customer service strategy? Starting from the hiring process, implementing questions in your hiring process, talking to these candidates about how do you work with people? Tell me about a time that you went above and beyond to give good customer service. What does six, seven, eight, nine star service look like? like that's something that you want to get from your candidates from the jump before you even bring people into your business finding team players right exactly mm-hmm. when i stay in a hotel they make my room the same way every time yes. right yeah and because there's a process that they have to do every time we're no different when we clean houses when we do plumbing we have to do the same things every time to deliver the same result to our clients Mm -hmm. and hiring good people is definitely part of it. And also equipping those good people with the right systems and processes and checklists in place. Terrence, give me an example from the point of view of one of your technicians. Like what would they say is a, an example of a checklist you're talking about? We actually have a checklist, which is great. So Jobber has that function where you can create the checklist. So beginning then with all the newer techs, what we do is we link the checklist into their job And then when they go to the job, they're able to go through that checklist of what they have to do with their customers. And the last one is going through the job with the customer and making sure they're happy and then getting the final signature. Mm. I love it. I imagine if a technician walks through that whole process with a client, I would say 99 times of 100, they're going to be happy. Kimberly, what are some mistakes in terms of customer experience, any tips on that? Any, any pitfalls that they should avoid? Yeah, I would just say, and I think we touched on this a little earlier, fighting the customer, like trying that get away from that back and forth. It's really not worth it. If you have a process in place for customer experience, follow it. And if that didn't work for a customer, you can see why. Take what they have into consideration, bring it back to your team. But like I've talked about, looking inward and seeing what you can do better and then just moving on from it. You have have to move on, make someone happy tomorrow. Like you'll make up for it. One thing I'm learning is the importance or the value, I should say, of telling our customers what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they, they know what the process is going to be. Okay. So you're going to walk me through the house and tell me what you did afterwards. Great. So they know. So that way, if the process for whatever reason doesn't work for them, mm-hmm. they tell you up front, you know? So I've got three tips if I'm going to summarize this whole conversation. Really good stuff today. Number one, bad reviews. Take care of them, whether it's a full refund or whatever you have to do to try to neutralize that review. Get it out of the Google review atmosphere and like just kill them with kindness, basically, the client, just so that it goes away. Was that what I was really hearing from you guys? Because a bad review can really hurt you in the long run. The importance of processes, making sure you do the same thing every time, making sure your people are trained well, and making sure that you deliver the same outcome to the client every single time. And if something bad happens, it's usually because something wasn't done right in the process. And then tip number three, hiring the right people, making sure that you take care of your internal customers who will then take care of your customers, treating them well, making sure that you go back for them and training them well and and giving them the, the tools to succeed. Usually we just have three tips, but Kimberly has got a bonus tip. You want to share that with us, Kimberly? Yes. I highly recommend doing regular surveys with their routine clients. We implement them twice a year, but this is a chance to get feedback from your clients and continue to grow your routine client business. 
That was really great, guys. Thank you so much. How can people follow you and learn more about you guys, Kimberly? We are at the Red Rose MN, like Minnesota, on Instagram. For me, I'm on most platforms. You'll find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn, and it'll be under the underscore underscore impetus. Great. This has been a great show. I appreciate both you, Kimberly and Terrence. You guys are killing the marketplace. Thank you. You guys are making a difference to your team, to your customers, to your cities where you guys live. Keep doing it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Adam. Next week's episode is about recession-proofing your business with Zach Drakowski and Paul Jameson. We'll see you then. I'm really grateful to our listeners who tuned in today. I hope you heard something that will make your business more profitable and more efficient. I'm your host, Adam Sylvester, and you can find me at adamsylvester.com. Remember, your clients and your team deserve your very best. So go give it to them. We'll see you next time.